Broadcasting from Houston, Texas, Jason Bible brings you all things real estate, investing, and Texas. Discover a no-nonsense approach to building wealth with real estate as Jason and his guests deep dive into landlord investing, wholesaling, flipping, lending, banking, money, and finance. Here's your host, Mr. Texas Real Estate himself, Jason Bible. We've had a lot of mortgage talk around here lately. So we brought in Jennifer Hernandez of Legacy Mutual Mortgage. And I'm always like hesitant how to do a show like this. Do we talk in generalities? Then we get really specific. But I think everybody likes the details, right? Let's do the YouTube version. Okay. The truth about mortgages. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, the 10 lies your mortgage right. offers Real facts, me. no BS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that's kind of the tagline of my YouTube channel, Alone with Jen, right? Yeah, well, I see it whenever you, whenever you have a new one that comes Real up, facts. I, it pops up. So. Real facts, no BS, baby. There yeah. you go. So what is the YouTube channel name? Alone with Jen. Alone with Jen, that's Alone right. Yeah, okay. and that's all my social media handles, Alone with Jen. Alone with and Jen. my website, yes, Alone with Jen. Branding, very good. Alone with Jen. Yeah. <laughs> So what is going on in the mortgage world? We were chatting earlier before the show started that your world has got to be so insane right now. It is what I'm reading from the national news is that purchases and refinances and just number of refis and purchases are at all time highs and the dollar volumes at all time highs. So it's got to be pretty crazy at the office with the sheer amount of work you guys are doing. Yeah. So just to give people some perspective, the Mm -hmm. refinance market alone, and this has happened since COVID. So we all need to acknowledge that if COVID wasn't happening, rates would be in the fours. Like this is, yeah. Mm -hmm. So February, in fact, it was right around my birthday. My birthday is in late February. And Mm -hmm. that was when all the stuff was going down. So I remember it clearly. And in the matter of a couple of days, the rates dropped like a percent, like to the threes. And the number $12 trillion worth of refis have potential to save money and like make sense to refi. Mm -hmm. And there's only market and capacity and bandwidth, whether it's liquidity or staff or mm-hmm. whatever, for three trillion. Mm-hmm. So that's a we're behind nine trillion. Well, yeah. a lot of people have already refinanced, right? So maybe the number's a little bit less. But the massive sheer numbers of like if you are lucky enough to get in there. So I tell clients when they call me, I'm like, hey, if you want to refi, I'm going to give you the numbers and you have to scream super loud that you want me to pay attention to you because on a daily basis, my purchases come first and Mm -hmm. I'm swamped with that. And on the refis, if you scream loud enough and text me enough times, I will pay attention and you'll get locked. (laughs) But that's how it is with every single lender. Like it's, it's sheer insanity. I've never in 25 years seen anything like it. Yeah, If you're the person that's trying to rate shop six mortgage companies and all that, you're not going to get a refi. There's oh, no, yeah. They don't have time to play the game. Oh, listen, right? so, I've had clients go, oh, hey, so-and-so is $500 cheaper in fees. I'm like, go for it. Kiss the carpet. Take it. That's fantastic. Because honestly, like, we're not going to lower our fees. Number one, we can't. Like, it really takes every ounce. The margins are already super low. And if you're getting something lower somewhere else, then go get it. Like, that's mm-hmm. fantastic. Do it. So it's a tough time. So of the... 12 trillion in possible mortgage business out there, the industry can handle about 3 trillion. I had read that for a healthy mortgage market, you only need about 4 million purchases and refinances in an entire year. I mean, it's not like people think like it's automatic, right? Like it's trading stocks. You can go out and I can go out and buy a house while everybody else is going out and buying the house. I'm like, you don't understand the 
Real estate agents are stressed because there's just so many people trying to buy houses right now. There's not enough inventory. If y'all have been watching, inventory is down 25 to 30% in most markets in Texas. On top of that, you've got surveyors and appraisers and all that. Maybe you can talk talk a little about that. We've been having, we're non-QM, so we've been having appraisal nightmares because all of you QM people keep stealing all our appraisals. (laughs) Well, for us, an appraisal is three weeks. And I had a transaction where I had two VIP clients on both the buy and the sell side. So I was super motivated for this thing to go smooth. We just had to have a rush on this appraisal. Well, we didn't have to, but it would have been nice. Mm -hmm. And I think I offered, I got up to like 700 bucks extra. I was like, look, I will give you money. Like I got to get this done in Mm -hmm. like eight days. He said, Jennifer, I cannot, I would be stealing from you. No, I cannot rush this. Like they literally, they can't. There's Mm -hmm. almost no rushes because they're inundated. And so now what's happening is you make the appraisal order and let's say it's due on the 25th. They literally will call the listing agent to make the appointment to go in like three days before. Mm. Like appraisers are getting COVID. I mean, you know, it's Mm -hmm. it's happening and it's just sheer ginormous amounts of volume. What's fascinating to me is you mentioned that, you know, appraisers are getting COVID and it's like what people don't understand in the data is like people are getting sick. They're not going to the hospital and dying, right? Most people that's not happening. But they're getting this awful flu for a week. Well, yeah, or you, even more. Or and even more. St- they yeah, can't then work. They're, then they can't they're out. Work. Then they have to quarantine. And yeah, all they got to quarantine. Right? They yeah. feel terrible. Mm-hmm. And then they got to quarantine for another couple of weeks. So it's like. So there's less appraisers. And I don't know. I mean, if anyone's looking for an industry to get into, <laughs> go be yeah. an appraiser. Because honestly, a lot of like new, younger people entering mm-hmm. the workforce, right? They're not saying, oh, I'm going to go be an appraiser. No. You know, so what's happening is, is a lot of these appraisers that have had great careers for 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, they're about to retire. Like, yeah. they're like, hey, I'm yeah, done with this. It is an age. And yeah. so then it's like, it's so needed. So, mm-hmm. so needed. So if you're out there looking for something, looking for a gig, great. call me because I'll put you in contact with <laughs> an appraiser that has an apprentice program. Yeah. So appraisers, inspectors, probably not so much. I mean, I don't know what the inspection business looks like these days. But uh, it's busy. It's I know. Busy. I, yeah. I know. Gordon Fox is a good friend and he's swamped. He's yeah. swamped too. Mm-hmm. So one of these segments here, I want to talk about what you could see improvement wise in the mortgage industry. And I'll give you just one of the things that we're seeing. House affordability is dropping like a rock. So prices are going up. Mortgages have never been cheaper, right? I mean, just crazy how expensive they are. But the reality is, is that we're also not building new homes anywhere in the United States for affordably anymore. So the question we keep bouncing around is, are we going to see a 40-year mortgage at some point? That's a Fannie Mae 40-year mortgage. I don't know. I'm floating it out there. We'll talk about it in one of the next segments. How else do you make these things affordable? You can't build them anymore. So the government has to get in a building business or they have to change the terms alone. Do you do a 10-year interest only with a 30-year because I've seen that in California a couple of times. Or do you just go with a straight 40-year? Yeah, let's 40 talk year? about that in the, after the break. That's an, You bring up an interesting so How else do you make them cheaper? That's the only way to do it, because the rates are already in yeah. the basement. Well, PMI, right? Shipping containers, right? PMI, if they have PMI, you could make that cheaper. That's true. We're talking, we just in the break here, we're talking about this sort of downward pressure that everyone is feeling, mm-hmm. right, across the spectrum. So you were just talking about just the low inventory. And so the inventory that is on the market is sort of, you know, you're going to take it as is or you're not going to take it, right? Yeah. 
And so we're seeing a lot of that. I know that I, I have a house. I sold all my properties up in New Jersey. They're all on the market. And I took the offer that said, I'll take it as is. I won't hit you up for any credits or any repairs and make this easy. And I can bring 20% cash. And I was like, done. Other 70 people that were looking at my house, I'm not interested in dealing with. And so we're seeing that in the marketplace all throughout the supply chain. Again, we just talked about that in the last break. And so with a low inventory, and there's always a need to turn over real estate, you're going to see some of these issues. And so we're just talking about that. The new construction market is very interesting. So builder confidence is at an all-time high, as that shouldn't shock anybody, right? right? But they can't build affordable homes anymore. So how are Americans going to get into that affordable house? Unless the government gets into home building, which God forbid... Which act, they have. Which they technically have in they Section have 8. many times, yep. And then they have done that from time to time. But do they start playing with the loan? So is it possible that we'll see a 40-year product, a 50-year product... Because here's going to be the big question. The next housing crisis is not a crash. It's a lack of affordable housing. So how do you make houses less expensive? I mean, the only, let's just think of the components, principal and interest. I mean, rates, can they even truly get any lower than they are now? I don't even. What's the difference between 0% and 3% at $200,000? Yeah. bucks a month? Yeah. And uh, property tax is one component. Yeah. And then homeowners insurance, which homeowners insurance, I've seen just more and more areas around Houston are in flood zones. It's a flood zone issue and it's a cost of construction issue, yeah, right? That's right. The, mm-hmm. the cost of reframing a house has gone up by an average of $20,000. Mm-hmm. Price of lumber is up 200%. So it's like... So the only other component, because when you're talking about affordable housing, I mean, it's people that have PMI on their mortgage. So right. the only other thing that can be tweaked is private mortgage insurance. So Mm -hmm. right now on a FHA loan, it's a 1.75% funding fee that's put on top of it. So if you're borrowing Mm -hmm. 100,000, 1,750 is on top of that. So you're really borrowing 101,750. So Mm -hmm. that's part of their PMI, mortgage insurance premium. And then the other part is 0.85%. So you take 0.85% of the loan, divide it by 12, and that's the monthly tacked on amount. So Mm -hmm. I can tell you in conventional loans, The better credit you have, the lower, like you can do 5% down and have PMI that's like 0.24%, which Mm. normally it's like 0.5. So having great credit is a benefit on a conventional loan. But on FHA, where a lot of people Mm -hmm. getting into homes that need flexibility, right? Mm -hmm. They allow lower credit. They allow higher debt to income ratio. They get these FHA loans. So maybe we'll see a reduction in the FHA premium. You know, Hmm. that could help out per month for sure. I pulled a very interesting chart out and it's from uh, Logan and I cannot pronounce Logan's last name over (laughs) housing wire. And he's got this great graph and it shows the number of mortgages per year by credit score. And since 2008, anywhere between 60 and almost 80% of the mortgages are 720 and above. Like it's a huge, you can literally see it because it's a color coded bar chart. And you could see where there was a pretty good mix before 2008. A lot of, you know, some folks, even the low sixes, right? sub 650. They would make up 40, maybe 30 to 40% of the marketplace, maybe 50. And then you get into this 720 and above, and it's literally almost 80% of the market. You can see the trend. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So unless you have stellar credit, and that's, maybe I shouldn't say stellar, but at least top tier credit, you're not getting into a house. It's almost... If you look at total loans made, it's almost impossible. Yeah. Can we talk about credit for a second? Let's do it. Yeah. So 
everybody is obsessed with their credit score, mm-hmm. as they should be. You know, mm-hmm. everyone should be worried. A lot of people are concerned about the well-being of their credit, which is fantastic. It's a fantastic trend. So do you want to know what super annoys me? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> that not all credit scores are created equal. So That's like if right. I, I need to get a chess timer and like record the number of minutes adding up to hours that I spend talking people off the ledge about credit because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, yeah, I know my credit score. I have, you know, ABC credit monitoring mm-hmm. service. There's so many mm-hmm. of them. And 100% of the time, it's the credit right. score that they think that they have is not what we pull. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying that it's different. So those of you listening, just the quick 101 is that there's over 25 models of credit. Correct. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a ABC company giving an online service, guess which one I'm going to subscribe to? The one that's the cheapest mm-hmm. and the most generic because I want to make more of the $8 I'm charging you. I want to make more of that money in my pocket. So I'm going to pay for the bare bone minimum I'm giving you this free value. You know, I'm your credit card and I'm making you feel this value every month. Like, ooh, punch this button and get your credit score. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what does that mean? So the, the score that lenders pull is different. We yep. all have it's to subscribe. Two, four, and five, correct? One of them is FACTA 8, but they're constantly changing because yes. they're constantly being tweaked. So all lenders have to subscribe to the same one mm-hmm. because that's how we can sell the loans between each other. There's right. conformity, right? So... On credit, really, if you're doing a conventional loan, like FHA, your rate's the same pretty much no matter what. But there is some benefit if you're above a 700. If mm-hmm. you're a above 700 score FHA bar, you actually get the very best rate. Oh, nice. Yeah. So there is a benefit. Mm-hmm. But on conventional, they really are good about taking incentives away, or I could say giving incentives for those higher credit scores. So 760 and above is really that top tier. And it goes mm. in tiers of 20s. So 760, then you go to 740, so then you go to 720, then you go to 700. And if you're below a 700, conventional's not great at all. Yeah. But yeah in our mastermind, we tell our folks, good credit starts at 740. Oh, on investors, for sure. Yeah, don't. Yeah. You can tell me you have good credit, but if you're south of 740, you don't have good credit. Then that score that everyone sees on their website or on their credit card statement, we call that the FACO score. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's your about FACO right. Score. It's just a... It's to give you confidence to go out and use your credit card more. Well, and it's not that it's fake. It's true to what that credit formula model is doing, but it's just not the same. So we want to start by pulling people's credit. And the number one fastest way to better credit is how y'all utilize those credit cards. Percent Mm -hmm. utilization Mm -hmm. per month. That's the number one thing that we see. It's yeah. the quickest way. What's just pay down the debt, right? Yeah, just pay, percent utilization <laughs> yeah. lower. Try not yeah. to run three businesses on uh, your four credit cards. Yeah, yeah. that would help. <laughs> that would that always helps. So I don't know how you solve the affordability issue unless you just turn them into forty-year mortgages or fifty-year mortgages. It's the principle. That's really where. Two thousand three, all over again. Two thousand five. Well, so that was the interesting thing is. If the credit scores are still high enough, because I do believe that we've got folks who can't afford houses that have decent credit. But then, of course, like what margin? It's so fascinating. And I'd love your perspective on this seems very much different than 03 and 04 and 05. Like, it's still hard to get a mortgage. I mean, not really. If If you don't don't have a ton of debt, you have, if you don't over in debt yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And you don't spend more than you earn. And you maintain your credit and pay your stuff on time, you're fine. We have lots of clients that 
qualified just fine and buy within their means. Yeah, but that's not everybody, Jen. I mean, it's, you know. Well, it only needs to be about 37%. I'll tell you what I'm seeing an uptick in, though. What's that? There are so many people that say, oh, yeah, now I'm driving DoorDash or now I'm driving Uber. And I'm like, okay, we need a two-year history of that. Right. So after that, they'll be able to use this extra income. But a lot of, I mean, the revolution of all this extra picking, you can just pick Mm -hmm. up a shift by just delivering DoorDash at night. Like there's good money to be had. So Mm -hmm. the go-getters who want to change the situation are going out and doing that Mm -hmm. and saving their money. And it's definitely different than it was in 03 and 04. But there's still people could afford if they change some of their spending habits, they Mm -hmm. really could afford more than they think. Yeah. We were talking about the cohorts here. We've got the millennial generation, the boomers. So the millennials are now starting to buy houses. One of the things you and I talked about is student loan debt and the impact on being able to buy single family homes. I would imagine you're seeing a lot more folks that have got a lot of student loan debt as opposed to kind of generations of the past. Yeah, I pull on average about 70 credit reports a month. So we have a large spectrum. We see more and more people that are not high trade that are just bachelor degree, you know, they're not doctors or, and they're at least 80 grand in student loan debt. I remember thinking back to a student. I mean, I paid my way 100% through school Mm -hmm. and you couldn't do that now. Like you can't wait tables 40 (laughs) hours a week. That's what I did. I worked at Benigan's on Texas Avenue in Mm -hmm. College Station. I pumped gas and changed oil. (laughs) Between a little bit of student loans Mm -hmm. and working, waiting tables, working for tips, working all the football games when the parents came into town, Mm -hmm. that got me through. But you can't do that anymore. And so you're right. I mean, the affordability index of everything is higher. And we see a lot of student loan debt. And it is Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and FHA don't see eye to eye on how they actually FHA, the government loan, actually kind of sticks it to you a little bit with student loan debt, which is surprising Mm -hmm. because they make us take 1% of the balance to qualify. So if you have a hundred grand, that's a thousand dollars a month added to your debt to income ratio. You're not going anywhere. (laughs) And so then we've got to help you get your credit up so you can qualify for a decent conventional loan. But then the debt to income ratio requirement is lower. You know, FHA is fantastic. You can go up to a 55% debt to income ratio. So Mm -hmm. there are things in place for affordability, but then the rules don't match each other. So it's really super, it's very conflicting. You know, Mm -hmm. FHA this, conventional that, swapping between the two of them, credit requirements are different, rates are different. So maybe there could be more conformity between qualifying Mm -hmm. to make it more affordable. So... A lot of people with high student loan debt don't have great credit scores. Mm, interesting. So then we got to take the 1% rule and then they really don't qualify. So we're like, yeah, sorry, you can't buy a house right now. As the houses become more and more and more expensive, it's a fascinating quandary to watch because you see these folks that got out of school with, like you said, 70, 80, $100,000 in debt who are not doctors and lawyers and all no, that stuff. No, they're just regular and they're never going to be able to pay that off ever. Right. Yes. So what they do is they get on the IDR, income-driven repayment, mm-hmm. which FHA won't recognize. Mm. Okay. So if we're counting a thousand towards the payment because it's one percent, right? Mm-hmm. The IDR is a hundred bucks. Mm. We can't acknowledge that to qualify <laughs> you, which is super unfair. Mm-hmm. Yes, me. And then 
so there's all these people around the country on IDR, income driven repayment, right? That's super low based mm-hmm. on what their affordability to pay it back is. Mm-hmm. And it's just not ever going to be paid off. And they're they're banking on the fact that somewhere somehow in the government it's, it's gonna all going to be forgiven. Yeah. Yes. And then and they'll let them go to collection. I've had people they let them go into collection and they're like you definitely wow. can't get a loan when your loan when your student loans are in kind of like collection. Mm-hmm. Like you can't get another federal debt like an FHA yeah. loan if your current federal debt is delinquent. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. But if you do pay on time for six months, they'll take it out of collection and they'll go back into the good section the of the credit se- yeah. report. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's workarounds, but the bottom line is, oh, my God, there's so many forks in the road. I just could I could be here for hours. Well, one of the things that's <laughs> fascinating is if you do not buy a single family house, I'm not one that thinks that a single family house that you live in is an asset. But the reality is it can be if you manage your household right. Sure. And uh, what we're finding is there's going to be an entire generation that, you know, where these folks that went to school have a okay job, but not enough to really pay down that student loan debt that are going to be unable to buy a single family house. And they're going to be the first generation that is negative net wealth. Well, that's the generate. That's right now. Yeah, that's absolutely happening. We're in it. And the credit scoring model needs to change. We keep hearing that it's going to change. But if you have one collection and it was even $10, it doesn't matter what it's for. Your credit score goes down like 80 to 100 points. Oh, yeah. Oh, I will tell you right now, (laughs) when I uh, sold my companies, I don't know what happened, but there was a utility bill that didn't get paid. Yeah, it was probably like 100 bucks. It was like $130, and we ran my report. All of a sudden, it's in collections. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. We are still fighting it right now. (laughs) And so even medical collections, any of it. And so it's the system is flawed. It's too overwhelming. Mm. So you're in better shape if you don't go to college. Become a manager at Home Depot or run a dock somewhere, run a forklift, and you're well, you know, 20 I, bucks an hour. I don't, well, that's a little extreme. I think it's you don't go to college and incur a bunch of debt. Yeah. If you're, well, let but me, then let's, you can't get through college. Well, so here's the right, uh, that's well, all right. Well, here's what we're doing in my household you're not going to college unless you're going through STEM because otherwise, I don't see mathematically how it works out. Like if you're just I going really, to college yeah. for like general business and it's $100,000. How are you going to make that back, unless you're going to a top-tier school, or you're in an engineering program, or a math program, or something, I don't know how college is, otherwise it's community college. If I were to go back, way back in my day when I bought my first house, 2003, that was exactly why I bought that house, because I'm like, well, it was new construction, and bought one of the first houses built in that neighborhood, but I bought it for like 128 grand. Yeah, 128 grand, yeah. 1,800 square feet for two. Lived there for uh, 12, 13 years. But the, the first thing I recognize is you got to buy something because you're going to be chasing your tail in affordability. Yes. You're never going to catch it. It's probably a good way to put it. So for those of you who are first-time home buyers out there and like, well, the neighborhood I want to send my future kids to is starts at 250. I can only afford 165. I'm like, guess what? You're buying in that 165 neighborhood. <laughs> Because like you said earlier, you need that appreciation. But hurry up. You have to You've do You've got to do it right now. Yeah. It's, I can see that. Let me put it this way. All the stuff that we predicted 18 months ago is happening. Like the appreciation curve is steepening, meaning it's getting more expensive faster. The year-over-year appreciation in Houston at the median is already 11%. So I'm using with clients, I just use, I say, look, let's take worst case scenario 3% mm-hmm. and you buy a house that's 200000 That's six grand a year. Is rent doing that for you? 
No. no. So you need to hurry. Like, oh, let me wait next year until the real estate values are coming down. I'm like, in a house under 300000 they're happening. not coming down. No. And we have a client that went out this weekend, and the realtor told me that the client automatically, the house is maybe 220 230 and they said, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to out for 190 no, And no, it's like, not. where where <laughs> are you getting your data? Like, what what... <laughs> What rock are you living under that it's going to be a waste of time? You're not going to get any offers. I mean, you're not going to get anything accepted. You know what I would do with those clients? I would show them, you know, the Har report comes out every month, right? Mm -hmm. And there's that table that's in the middle of the page Mm -hmm. and it shows year over year median home price increases and it's 11%. So it's like, look, you can wait. This house is going to cost you 11% more next year. Now, maybe it's not 11%, maybe it's five, but it also could be 15 like you just sitting around waiting, yeah. you are literally being blown out. Like these things are appreciating so fast. We have a broker as a partner of ours in one of our businesses. And he had one of his agents listed a house out in Katy, south of I-10. I cannot remember the neighborhood, older yeah. neighborhood. They listed it for 225, 260, whatever it was. Very close to median home price. Yep. He was like, hey guys, how many showings do you think we had? Rob was like, I don't know, 30. I was like, oh, 35 to 25, something like that. And he said, we had 100. In how many days? Like five days or yeah. something? Four days or wow. something ridiculous. Through the first weekend, yeah. And he That's said, amazing. we had 20 offers, half were cash. So if folks are sitting around like, oh, well, maybe, you know, we're kind of looking. It's like, you don't understand. What you're going to see over the next couple of years is how fast that median home price catches the average price. Well, you can actually see the curve already. And the average price is 3 35, I think, three something. Yep. Somebody can pull it up and post 335. it. 335. 335. So if we're at 260, it's going to hit 335, and I bet less 18. At least months. 300. Wow. But, I mean, it's just 10, 12% <clears throat> year over year growth. That's the entire marketplace. But we know all the action is at the median home price and below, at least at the average home price and below. Mm-hmm. So let's turn this a little bit. So we spent most of this hour talking about pitfalls and what's happening and all that stuff. And now we've underlined the point to buy the house. Who is getting the mortgages and who's getting good mortgages? Tell us the difference between 3% and 3.5% because that's always good for me. It's like 25 bucks for every quarter point. What's the difference in payments? Uh, you mean 3% of a Because everyone's hunting rate? these rates and you've just explained in the very first segment, you can hunt all you want. I'm processing, right? Yeah. So the interest rates between 3 and... Three point five percent. I mean, it depends on the loan amount, of course. Sure, three hundred thousand so, is the average house. So yeah, three hundred thousand. I mean, I'd have to break out my calculator. To oh, know exactly. don't do that. But but I mean, it's you know probably fifty bucks a month, right? 50, Sixty. People are wasting time, losing thousands yeah. of dollars a month over fifty bucks a month. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Who's your avatar? Who's your perfect client? My perfect client is someone who gets me the paperwork that I need. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Someone who listens and someone does what you need to as soon as possible. Someone who follows instruction yes. and they don't sit on the doc request for five to six days. Yep. And someone who has a sense of urgency. Yeah. So, and that we do a good job. We could always do better at training them in the very beginning. Sure. Because if they're not going to be that way, that just go somewhere else. Like right. it's, this is the way it works. So, and it starts with how we're referred. So I'm only referral. I don't advertise great. because I just don't. We, um, we other stop than on, oh, you're the only channel that I mm. advertise with. And oh, the clients that call me from you, by the way, they're always super directed. They're always great. They're always like, yep, tell me what to do. Just, <laughs> you know, they're always fantastic. But for the most part, I don't advertise. Okay. Mm-hmm. And 
And really, for me, from you, it's like a warm referral because they all love you guys. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. That's we they. appreciate the support yeah. and we, we love referring people to you. you do really good. Well, yeah, thank you. Guys. So really, I help anybody. Honestly, some of my most favorable and memorable and rewarding transactions have been we just helped a disabled, 100% disabled vet. And they're like in their 60s. And this was oh, their first mm-hmm. house. And they were like not thinking they could ever get a house and they got a VA loan. They literally had like $50 out of pocket. Oh, wow. The seller was a builder who was so Mm. gracious, covered all their closing costs. I don't know what we did. We just made it happen. I mean, it was difficult. It was Mm -hmm. a struggle, but they did everything we asked them to do. Mm. That's my typical client. You know that the paperwork is needed. I mean, you can ask questions. I'm not saying not. Like, listen, it's painful for me too to ask you for stuff. Just know that you have to get it. Like, Mm -hmm. that's it. And if you can't, then don't and go rent and then come back when you can get it. You know, like, (laughs) it's just as simple as that. And so that really is my typical client. But I'll tell you, I mean, I do see a lot of people struggling with credit, especially people get behind. I'm still seeing some people that were affected by Harvey, but that's now three years away. So it's getting a little bit better. So anything on your credit that's within the last two years is the most, it taints your score the most. Mm -hmm. So we still see people that are struggling, especially, and I think it's the tip of the iceberg because of, you know, some people are getting laid off and Mm -hmm. they can't, they just can't pay. So I don't know what next year is going to bring, but my ideal client is just one that Sends the paperwork. Give me the docs. We've we've walked out of the studio before because we got loans going on. Get out. Go do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's my best client. But I see a lot of people between 680 and 750. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's a lot of people in that range with credit. So I'd say get with a lender early to see what your credit is. Get on a plan. Get the GPS for what you need to do. And you might have to wait a year. I mean, I'm really good at telling people, look, you have to wait a year. And they're like, what? And I'm like, just go rent. You got to wait a year. Thanks for listening to Texas Real Estate Radio Network with Jason Bible. If you like what you just heard, please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Be sure to check out our website, TexasRealEstateRadioNetwork.com for more resources. Join us next time for another edition of Texas Real Estate Radio Network.